0: Well turning your bibles to Luke chapter 23 we're we'll continuing of course our study of the gospel of Luke and Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man he's the savior he's the Christ he is the king he is the one who dies and rises again paying for sin conquering death he is the final sacrifice for sin forever we're seeing the trials of Jesus He's been arrested in the garden. He's going through a series of trials before both the Jews and the Romans. He'll have three trials before the Jews and three trials before the Romans. For the past several weeks, what we've been doing is seeing the trials of Jesus before the Jews. They were all illegal, and he was found guilty in his trial. This morning we're continuing, we can see the first two trials of those three trials of Jesus before the Romans. He goes before Pilate, then to Herod, and we're going to see what happens. Who are these men? Who's Pilate and Herod? What's going on? We continue to see, as we saw last week, that Jesus is in control. He declares that he is the Savior and the King, and he is working all things according to the counsel of his perfect will. And so this morning what we see is Pilate, his examination of Jesus, and Herod, his mocking Of Jesus. So may we learn from our study. There's a lot there this morning. When it comes to laws and trials and government, we want justice to be served. We want things to be done right, to be done fair. But when you look at the scripture and you see the trials of Jesus, we realize that things were not fair or just. Three times the Jews find him guilty and they were all illegal trials. Three times the Romans find him not guilty and they crucify him anyway. How could all this have happened? Well, we must realize that it is God is in control. It is Jesus working all these events according to the counsel of his will. He is his plan is to go to the cross for us. This is not man's plan, but it is God's plan. By the way, we, we think we think we want justice. When it comes to God dealing with us, we do not want justice. We want grace and mercy. If we get the justice of God, we'll be separated from him forever. Why? Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and we owe God death. But God does not deal with us. In His justice, He deals with us in His grace. He pours out His justice on Jesus Christ. God is a just God who pours out His wrath on Jesus who is our substitute. We get the grace of God. That's why the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. We realize that God in His justice, in His justice He deals with our sin in Christ. And yet God in His grace gives us eternal life. As a gift simply by faith. This morning, as we think about the justice and the grace and all of this, we'll continue seeing the trials of Jesus as He is going to provide the way to be the Savior for us. Well, let's begin. Remember last time, we or last couple of weeks, we have seen that He's been arrested in the garden. We're seeing His last night and, his, and this morning before He goes to the cross. It is now the 14th day of the month of Nisan. That's Passover. Jesus is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. He is going to die for us on Passover. That's the key. We'll see this. We're going to think about those six trials that Jesus goes through before he goes to the cross. Three trials before the Jews. Three trials before the Romans. Let me remind you of this. That the trials of Jesus before the Jews, he went to Annas, then to Caiaphas, and then the Sanhedrin. They were all done illegally. Two of them were done at night. The one was done in the morning with the Sanhedrin. But they gave the the, uh, the verdict right then. They were supposed to wait a day. He was found guilty and all. And he was found guilty because he's the Son of God. They, they flat out asked him, are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? And he said, Yes. We'll also see three trials of Jesus before the Romans. He'll go to Pilate, then to Herod, and back to Pilate. This morning we'll see Pilate and Herod, and then next week we'll see him coming back to Pilate. He has no legal standing before the Romans. He wasn't a Roman citizen. But he was found not guilty, but charged as the king of the Jews. And yet, even though he's found not guilty, they crucified him. So it's very, very powerful. In the last several weeks, we saw the, these two trials, uh, the two trials before the Jews. He was arrested at night, taken to the house of Annas, taken to Caiaphas. They want him dead. They have to wait till the morning, of course, to bring together the ruling body. Chapter 22, verse 66 says When it was day, the council of the elders of the people assembled, both the chief priests and the scribes, and they led him away to their. Council chamber That's what happened So they got him up And they tried him And the question Was simply put Are you the Christ The son of God And his answer was Yes And they said He's blasphemy. He's supposed to die And now they have to Take him to Pilate Because they don't have The right to kill him Roman government <clears throat> Said no We won't let anyone have capital punishment We'll have capital punishment We decide if people Live or die So They now must take him To Pilate To see what happens all of this has happened. The the trial that morning and everything has all happened before 7 a.m. They want to get him to Pilate. They want to get him to Pilate before the crowds are up. Because they know if the crowds know what's happening, there's going to be some problems. Well, as we think about our passage this morning, let's break down the passage. Two parts to it. The first seven verses, Jesus stands before Pilate. The Sanhedrin bring bring Jesus to Pilate. There, the three accusations. We'll see what they are. Pilate says, "I I find him not guilty. I don't see anything. And then, because of some problems, he sends him on to Herod. And then the second part is Jesus before Herod. Herod. We're going to talk about who is this Herod guy. Herod was glad to see him. Herod asked him some questions. Jesus wouldn't ever answer him. So he makes fun of Jesus and then sends him back. And then Herod and Pilate now become friends. They had not been friends. They had been enemies. We'll talk a little bit about why, you know, what, what's going on there, but we'll see it. Well, this morning, let's see the first trial of Jesus, the six of the trials of Jesus. This is the first trial by the Romans. He goes to Pilate. The governor. Look at chapter 23 verse 1. Then the whole body of them got up. And brought him before Pilate. Now the whole body, of course, is the council, the Sanhedrin, the seventy men who ruled the nation of Israel. They were called the elders. They were made up of Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees. The Sadducees had the less number, but they were the richest ones. They were the wealthy ones, and they were the high priest. So the priest made up that they had sort of the control, and the high priest himself was the, the leader of the Sanhedrin. That says that the whole body of them, and and we'll mention this uh, because we'll see it another time. Not all of the People who were members of the Sanhedrin voted against Jesus. In fact, not all of them were probably there. We're going to find a little bit later a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, and another man by the name of Nicodemus, who probably were on the council, were not there and did not give their vote against. Were either not there or did not give their vote against Jesus. Either way, they brought him before Pilate, the council, the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of Israel. They have found him guilty, but they don't have the right to put him to death. They must take him to Rome. Rome would be the ones to put him to death. They could not kill him. They needed Rome to kill him. Now, why did they want to kill him so badly? Let's think about it. First of all, he would rebuked them over and over. They would come up. They would ask questions. They would do things, and he would make them look foolish. Not because Jesus wanted to make them look foolish, but because what they said, Jesus would come right back to him, and they had no answers. He has already cleansed the temple. He went in there two different times. The beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry. He's gone in there, turned over the tables, ran people out. That made them very mad, as I told you last week, that the high priest and his family got a great deal of money from the people who were selling in the temple. So they didn't like that. He taught with authority. They didn't like it. When they would teach, people would go, Yeah, that's fine. When Jesus taught, they went, We've never heard anybody speak like this. And it angered them so much that Jesus had this authority... And uh, the religious leaders did not, this is another reason why they wanted him dead, the religious leaders did not want to lose their positions of responsibility. They were so afraid that what was going to happen is that Jesus was causing an uproar, the Romans would come in, and they would take away their positions. That's why Caiaphas said, it's expedient that this one man die for the nation. He was saying, this guy's going to cause an uproar, it's going to hurt all of us, it's better that this guy dies so that we get to keep our positions and everybody's fine. And then the last reason they wanted him dead is that he claimed to be God. And not only did he claim to be God, he is God. And all the things that he did just proved it. And and when they said to him, are you the Christ, the Son of God? He said, I am. Well... He's been found guilty before the Jews because he claimed to be the son of God. They're going to take him to the Romans. and We talked about last week. If you take him to the Romans, it won't make any difference if they brought him before Pilate and said, This man claims to be God. Because Pilate wouldn't care. Because the emperor himself was God. There were gods in every household. They had all kind of gods. So just because somebody said they were God, they don't care. So they knew that the Romans wouldn't care about that. But what would the Romans care about? Well, the Romans would not want somebody to want to be king. Uh, You can't usurp the authority of the emperor. So that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to bring some charges against him in that way. Notice what it says. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. Now, who is Pilate? We always call him Pontius Pilate. He was the governor of Judea. He'd been appointed by Rome. When Rome took over, they put in that position in the southern part of Israel in Judea. They called a prefect and he was the governor. He actually, he was the fifth governor the, since they had been there. He would already had now, this is the fifth one who had come into that region. Now, let me tell you, ruling the Jewish people was not an easy thing. They uh, they had their religion As they, as the Romans would look at it They got their religion They're weird people They do things differently They don't like us We don't like them We've got to keep them subjugated So anybody that was put in that position Like Pilate he had, his, he had his hands full Because he did not want to offend the Jewish people And call all kind of uproars Because the more uproars that caused Rome would eventually come and just say You can't be governor You can't handle these people Get out So he didn't want the uproars He wanted to keep the Jewish people happy But he had to keep everything in charge So he was the ruler of that part of the world He ruled from A.D. 26 to 36 Only 10 years He had the power of life and death His headquarters was at a place called Caesarea Caesarea by the sea It was by the Mediterranean Sea That's where he lived And what he would do is of course come to the to the big city of Jerusalem He came to Jerusalem at special events This is feast days for the Jews Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits All of those feasts were coming together And so he came because they were going to be thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem. He came because he wanted to make sure there was peace. Now, if you've ever studied the Bible, most of us, as you study the Bible, you know the story of Jesus, and you've heard of this man, Pilate, and Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Pilate was greatly disliked by the Jewish people. Uh, He allowed banners, Roman banners, to be taken into the temple area, which uh, a Roman banner... Taken in the temple area was blasphemy for the Jewish people because it had symbols on it. And they said, we don't have symbols. Don't bring any symbols into our temple. And he allowed them to be brought in there. And some people were killed, and there were all kind of problems. And, and so he's caused problems in the past. The best that we can tell from history, that around 36 A.D., he had an argument somehow and got in crossways with the governor of Syria. And he was banished. Rome came in and removed him from his position. Now, some history tells us, you know, when you read things, some say that he committed suicide. We don't know anything about that. But the Jews have come to him very early in the morning. They're waking up the governor. Waking up the governor with their problems. And Pontius Pilate's going to be awake, and, and you can see him coming. There's a whole bunch of religious leaders out here. They've got a man. They want to talk to you. There's a problem. Here's what happens. Verse 2. They begin to accuse him saying, accuse Jesus, We found this man misleading our nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So they come and they have charges. And there are three charges that they bring about Jesus. First of all, they say that he misleads the nation, that he is discouraging them from paying taxes. He said, don't pay taxes. And that he claims he is Christ, the king. Now that was the three charges. Now, let's think about them. The first went misleading the nation. Went to mislead the nation, they were saying that he's taken the nation of Israel contrary to Rome. He's causing them to do something evil. It was the word, the word literally meant to pervert. It says he is perverting the nation to move them in the wrong direction. Now, Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he... he he wanted them to to obey the law and to live righteously and godly and to be godly men and women. So he wasn't misleading the nation. The second thing is is he never discouraged them from paying taxes. In fact, when they came to him and said, "Should we pay taxes?" he said. Whose inscriptions on that thing give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar gives to God what belongs to God so he never said don't pay taxes the third thing is the fact that he claims that he is Christ the king now to mislead the nation who knows what that means to not pay taxes the Romans would be upset about that if they could prove that it might they might put him in prison they might put him to death now the last one to be a king that would be in opposition to the Caesar to the emperor that would be a rival to the throne. If he's saying, I'm worthy to be the king of the Jewish people, I'm going to rule them, and Rome needs to leave, well, that could cause a lot of problems. And the Romans could say, if you're going to do that, we're going to put you to death. Well, as I said, he was not leading the nation astray. He did talk about paying taxes and he, his kingdom. This is what when, Because when you read it, Pilate says, are you a king? And he says, yeah. But Pilate didn't go, oh, so you're trying to take over the government. Pilate didn't do that. He, walks back out and says, I don't find the guys guilty at all. And so he understood that Jesus wasn't talking about that he's about to try to overtake and rule the Roman government and remove them out because he understood that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And the truth is, at that point, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. He's going to come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords in the future. Pilate actually looks at the Jews and said, listen, I, I... You take this man, judge him by your own law. Because he understood it was a religious argument. That's what he was figuring out. But they said, we can't judge him because we don't have the right to kill him. Only you have the right to kill him. And we want him dead. So what happens? Verse 3. So Pilate asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, it is as you say. So he got with him and he said, are you the king? Answered literally, it is as you say it is. Basically, it's true. If you go to John chapter 18, and we won't turn there this morning, there's a dialogue between Jesus and Pilate. And, and Jesus is actually witnessing to Pilate and he talks about truth and, and something. And Pilate actually looks at him and goes, what is truth? And Jesus doesn't really answer it there, but we know the answer. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the truth. Pilate hadn't got it yet. We're going to see that in the course of, of this morning, the, the trial and then back over to Herod and then back to Pilate, Pilate never puts it together. Never puts it together. He even looks at Jesus one time and says, You understand that I got all the authority. I got all the authority. I can put you to death right now. And Jesus looks at him and says, The only authority you have is God to let you have this authority. So Pilate is not in control. And the Jewish people outside are not in control. Jesus is in control. Pilate realizes that Jesus is not trying to take over the Roman government. So he goes out, verse 4. Then Pilate said to the chief priest, and notice something that's a little bit different. Pilate said to the chief priest, and the hut, the crowds. People are getting up. They've got up. They've heard some things are happening. They want to find out what's going on. And suddenly it's not just the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, 40 or 50 people. It's now crowds are beginning to form outside Pilate's judgment hall. And, in fact, when he probably walked out there, he went, where did all these people come from? What in the world is going on here? Who called this meeting? You know, he comes out there and it says, and Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. I find no fault. You know what? They should have ended it right then. should have been over. They should have said, he's free to go. I find no fault with this man. Now, the, the most amazing thing you'll see as you continue the study, that Pilate comes out and says, I find no fault with this man. We will just beat him and then let him go. And you want to say, okay, you find nothing wrong with him, but you decided that you'll beat him. Two or three times, even even to the very end, when they're shouting that Jesus should be crucified. And he says, listen to me, I find no fault with this man. We will just beat him and let him go. And we would all say, what kind of deal is that if you find no fault with him? It should have been that he's free. But the truth is, this is not man's plan. This is God's plan. And he works all things. Pilate should have released him. Mark tells us, the Gospel of Mark tells us that the chief priests begin to accuse him even more and begin to shout out. And Pilate turned to Jesus and said, do you hear the charges that they are saying about you? And it says that, Pilate, that Jesus never even answered him, wouldn't, wouldn't say anything to him. What we find in the first trial before the Romans, that he's not guilty. Now he's already been found guilty three times for the Jews in illegal trials. The first trial before the Romans, he's found not guilty. And what Pilate would like to do is just beat him and let him go. But things take a different turn. Because you can see Pilate saying, I find him not guilty, we'll beat him and let him go. But the people don't leave, and the religious le- leaders don't leave. And they get worse and worse, and they begin to shout out, and they begin to say more and more things. And Pilate begins to say, what am I going to do with this? This, is getting, this cannot get out of hand. I do not need to get into trouble with my Roman governors and leaders because of these people. Because he knows he's got to keep the peace. There are all kind of Jewish people from all over the world have come there for the feast. And if there's an uproar, if there's problems, he's going to get into trouble. Because he's been in trouble before when he allowed those, those banners to be brought into the temple. So what happens? Verse 5. They kept on insisting. These are the religious leaders saying. He stirs up the people teaching all over Judea starting from Galilee even as far as this place. Now, sometimes when they say the word Judea, we know that Israel is divided into three parts: the northern parts called Galilee, the middle parts, the middle parts called Samaria, and the southern parts called Judea. Sometimes, if they said Judea, they sometimes just mean the whole the whole nation. That's what they're meaning there. But most of the many times they could say, well, he's from Galilee, he's from Judea, he's from Samaria. In this passage, they said, he keeps, they, they kept on insisting, saying, he stirs up the people teaching all over Judea. And remember, he had come down to the southern part, to the temple area, and, and teaching. He started his ministry in Galilee, though. Just remember that. He was living in Nazareth, and he went over to the Capernaum area and started that ministry. And so for three, three and a half years, he'd been in the northern part of Israel. So notice it said, he stirs up the people teaching all over Judea. He is starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. Now, let me remind you of something. The northern part of Israel called Galilee was not ruled by Pontius Pilate. It was ruled by a man named Herod Antipas, who was the son of Herod the Great. We'll talk about that in a second. So technically, if Jesus lived in Galilee, he came under the authority of Herod Antipas. And so when Pilate hears this, they say, starting in Galilee and coming down to here, his mind went, wait a minute, wait a minute, is this guy from Galilee? Where's this guy from? This could help me, you know. This could get me out of a jam. Because I don't want to deal with this. And if this man isn't my responsibility, I can get rid of him. Now, I want you to understand something. As far as the legal structure went of Rome... Pilate actually had more authority than Herod Antipas. If Pilate wanted to, he could tell he, he could tell Herod Antipas what to do, because Pilate's position as a prefect in Roman government. But he didn't. They they were not friends. They just it was more like I'll do my thing, you do your thing. When he hears this, notice what it does. Verse six. When Pilate heard it. He asked whether this, the man was a Galilean. When Pilate heard this, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said he started in Galilee and came down here. Is the man a Galilean? Does he belong to Herod? Herod ruled the region of Galilee. And, and, and he says, wait a minute. This is not my problem. Now this is a mess because Jesus has not done anything wrong. Jews are upset. There's a mob out there. He belongs to Herod, so what does he do? Verse 7. When he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. Now you remember all of the main leaders, Roman, it did not matter, they all came to Jerusalem at the feast because they had a responsibility of the Roman government to keep the peace and to make sure everything was going fine. Well, feasts like Passover, that was huge and trumpets and first fruits and And Pentecost, those were huge feasts. And Jewish people came from all over. In fact, Jewish men had to come three times a year. All males had to come three times a year to Jerusalem. This was one of the three times they had to come. So almost all of the men of Israel had come to to, to Jerusalem. So here comes all these Roman leaders. And so Pilate, of course, is there. And now Herod is there. It says, Herod who himself was in Jerusalem at that time. Now, who is this man, Herod Antipas? Well, he was the son of Herod the Great. And you may say, well, okay, who is Herod the Great? You remember when Jesus was born and... The the wise men came almost two years after Jesus was born, and there was a man named Herod the Great who was the king of the Jews. That's how he called himself. He ruled the whole region. He was a very powerful man. The wise men are the ones that came and came to Herod and said, where's the one born king of the Jews? And this Herod the Great said, wait a minute, I'm king of the Jews. Ain't nobody going to be born king of the Jews. What are you talking about? And they found out, and so that's why he sent them to find Jesus as a baby, and he would kill him. Of course, being warned, Joseph was warned by an angel in the dream and they left and Herod got mad because the wise men did not come back. And so he is the man, this man's daddy is the one that killed all the boy babies two years old and under. Now, this is his son named Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas does not rule all of the land that his dad ruled. He only rules the northern part of Israel, Galilee. He called himself a king, but a lot of people say, yeah, he's a real king. he got a little bitty area. He's nothing like his father. He was an evil man. Now, his father was an evil man, but he was not a great, great leader. Uh, he ruled from 4 B.C., to 39 A.D. He ruled a long time. Now, let me tell you how evil he was. He had a brother. He had two or three brothers. Arcleus was a brother and a brother named Philip and then himself. And, and Philip's wife, Herodias, he, uh, he liked her. She liked him. So he just married her. Took her from his brother, Philip. Philip was not near as strong as Antipas. He had a little of area. John the Baptist, when he was alive... When Herod Antipas took Philip's wife, John the Baptist said, that is a bad thing. You have done evil. You have done wrong. You are a leader and a king, and you're not supposed to do that. And so Herod Antipas put John the Baptist in prison. And then when Herodias' daughter danced, they cut John the Baptist's head off. This is the man that killed John the Baptist. And so... They're going to take him to Herod. Herod's wanted to see Jesus. He's heard a lot about Jesus because most of Jesus' ministry was in Galilee, was in Herod's jurisdiction. So everything that was going on, he knew all about it. So now we're going to see the second trial, Herod. Herod was glad to see Jesus. Why? Number one is that Pilate sent him to him. And for Pilate to send Jesus to Herod was a sign of respect. You can see Herod going, You're telling me that Pilate sent this man to me? That must mean Pilate respects me. Okay? The second thing, though, and let me read the verse. It says, Now, Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus, for he'd wanted to see him for a long time, because he had been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. The second thing was, Herod heard about Jesus, because all the ministry and all the things that he had been doing heard all about that. But that takes us to the third thing, and that is, he wanted to see a miracle. Now, here's this man in power, and he had heard about what Jesus did, and you know what people were saying? that blind people could see and lame people could walk and people couldn't hear could hear and that he actually raised people from the dead and those kind of things. So Herod says, I would like to see this guy. Maybe he'll do a trick for me. Maybe he'll do a sign for me. Maybe he'll do a miracle for me. I would like to see that. He was not interested in Jesus as the King, as the Messiah, as the Savior. He just wanted to see a miracle. And it's amazing to me that how many people... Miss Jesus Christ because they're looking for something other than a Savior. They're looking for somebody to make them happy. They're looking for somebody to make them wealthy. They're looking for somebody to give them the good life. You turn on the TV and there are people out there telling you Jesus is going to make you happy. And Jesus is going to give you a good life. And if you can name it and claim it, he's going to make you wealthy. And so a lot of people are looking at Jesus not as the Savior, not as the one who died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again, but as the one who will make your life better. Jesus Christ came as the Savior of the world. He came to die on the cross, pay for sin and rise again and to give eternal life to all who will believe. When you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, you may not have happiness, but you can have joy. And you may not be wealthy, but you'll be the richest person in the world because you have a relationship with the living God. It is amazing to me how many people miss Jesus as Savior because somebody's telling them that He's the one to make you happy. Well, Pilate says, I I mean, excuse me, here it says, I want to see a miracle. So many people get caught up in religion and rituals rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. What do you have? Do you have religion? Do you have rituals? Or do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? The only way you can have it is by faith alone in Christ alone. He died on the cross. He paid for sin and rose again. If you believe in Him, you have eternal life. It is that simple. So he brought him to to, uh, Herod to do a miracle. Herod Herod said, I'm hoping that he will do a miracle. You know, we we don't have much in the Gospel of Luke. Some of the other Gospels tell us more. Uh, And Jesus never even answered Herod one word. Herod would say something to him. Jesus never answered him. Never even said a word to him. Wouldn't even talk to him. It says, and he questioned him at some length, verse 9, but he answered him nothing. You remember the religious leaders are there, too, because they just follow Jesus wherever he goes. Wherever they put him on trial, they go in to to get him. And look at verse 10. And the chief priests and the scribes are standing there accusing him vehemently. They're accusing him very strongly. You know what Herod realizes? That Jesus is not going to answer, and he's not going to do a miracle. Jesus is a great disappointment to him. He said, you brought the guy to me. He won't say anything. He won't do a miracle. He won't do anything. So what are they going to do? Herod with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Now, Herod says, well, he's not doing anything for me, so I'm just going to send him back. So it's said he... he, he he took his the soldiers, they treated him with contempt. That means to show no respect. It means to look down on, to act as if he's nothing. And they mocked him. Remember Jesus already told him, told his men that he would be handed, he would be taken to the Jews, handed over to the Romans, mocked, and then crucified. And this is what's happening. And then it says they dressed him in a gorgeous robe. The word gorgeous there is the, is the Greek word for bright. It means a shining type robe. It was a very beautiful, expensive, shining robe. Sometimes Romans had those robes for for people in political offices, people who had high positions. They would take a robe like that and put it on them to help them stand out. What Herod is doing is making fun of Jesus by saying, okay, so you're some kind of king? Here, let me give you a good robe to put on if you're some kind of king. And so he's making fun of Jesus and he sent him back to Pilate. Trial number two is over. And before the Romans, he's found not guilty again. He is sent back. First two trials for the Romans, not guilty. Pilate and Herod, they should have let him go, but they didn't. Look at the results in verse 12. Now Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day. For before they had been enemies with each other They became friends Herod and Pilate It doesn't really tell us why they weren't friends We know it's their positions Uh, Herod didn't like Pilate Pilate didn't like Herod But from this point on they became friends They'd been enemies But you know I think Herod said You know he respected me enough to send this man here And so that means he he respects me and likes me And then he sent him back to Pilate And basically it's saying I'm going to show you respect Because I will give him to you And I'll let you have the final authority Even though he belongs to me I will let that you, Pilate, have the final authority. Now, that's not what Pilate wanted. But it looked good anyway. And so they became friends because they had been enemies. Two trials. Two not-guilties. But it's not over. Next time we'll see the third trial. Jesus, what are we saying? Jesus goes before the Romans. First trial, of course, Pilate not guilty. Jews want him dead. Second trial, Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod mocks him and declares him not guilty. And both Pilate and Herod now become friends. Let me give you some applications, some things to think about as we think about the passage. First one is just remember that Jesus is Savior and King. That's who he is. In fact... He is the king of the Jews And He's the king of kings and the lord of lords He the king first of all of the Jews He told the Jews he was the king He told the world he was the king He told the Romans he was the king He told the Sanhedrin and the high priest Everyone that he is the king because he is the ruler. Now, think about Jesus' life for just a second. It, there are really three parts. You think that his birth and childhood and baptism. Because that whole first part was his preparation. We saw him being born. We saw his early childhood when he was 12. And then we saw the beginning of the ministry when he was baptized. Then most of the ministry was in Galilee. The, whole, the next part of his life, all of that, basically three, three and a half years, was in Galilee. And then the last part, he comes down to Jerusalem. We call it the Passion because this is where he is arrested, he is tried, and he is crucified. And he goes to the cross. In a sense, that's a, a simple life of Christ. But as, as you put it, He is the Savior and the King. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day, He will return to this earth as the King and rule in righteousness and justice. Now, the thing I want you to think about, number two, is remember that Jesus did nothing wrong. I mean, everything that the Jews accused Him of, it was true. I mean, if they said, well, He's plain to be God. Well, that's right. He is God. All their trials were illegal. The Roman government found him not guilty. The Jews found him guilty because they wanted him dead. But he was the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb without spot and without blemish. He is the only one that's able to be our Savior. And just remember this. If they crucified Jesus, who was the perfect human being, what will they do to you? If you identify with Jesus Christ, as a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you stand for Him in a fallen world, you should expect, as Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. When you stand for Jesus Christ in a fallen world, you should expect opposition. They're coming after you. The third thing, see is that Jesus is fulfilling His plan, and His plan is to be the Savior. He is going to the cross. His plan is to die and rise again, to be the Savior and the substitute. And so our application, really, is to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. We're the guilty ones. In 1 Peter three fifteen, He died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. And I've said this many times, and I know most all of you in this room, but if there's anyone in this room, who has never understood the salvation message and that maybe you thought that it's going to church or some rituals or, or being baptized or trying to live a good life or doing something, I want you to understand that Jesus is the Savior, not you. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. And He offers the gift of eternal life, which is simply by faith. And so right where you're sitting, you can put your faith in Christ as your Savior. You can trust in Him and Him alone. And He gives you eternal life Immediately, I hope and pray that everyone in this room, when you walk out these doors, every one of you would say, I have trusted in Christ, I know I have eternal life. By the authority of the Scripture, when I trusted in Jesus, He immediately gives me eternal life. I hope and pray all of us know that. May we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, knowing that He is the sinless Savior and King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, we remember that Jesus is the Savior. He is the King. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He announced it. He told it. He made it very clear to the Jews and to the Romans. Lord, we realize Jesus did nothing wrong. He is the spotless Lamb of God who died and rose again for us. He fulfilled His plan so that all who believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.